0: Every episode of The Angry Chicken is made possible by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash tack. For more of Jocelyn's content, check out jocplays.com. And if you can't get enough of Ridiculous Hat, follow him over on Twitter at RidiculousHat. The Angry Chicken is a production of AMove TV. Time's up. Let's do this. You smell like a leper gnome! I knew it! Oh, oh. <laughs> a podcast about Hearthstone and Battlegrounds, this is The Angry
1: Chicken!
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Angry Chicken. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co
1: host, Ridiculous Hat.
0: Hat, how are you this random Monday? <laughs>
1: I'm great. It's Halloween. It's not a random Monday. It's a specific Monday. (laughs) Yes. So we both decided to hide from small children and talk about video games. As we do best. (laughs) Years of practice. Yeah.
0: Honestly, I am really excited about this episode, so if you are listening to the sound of my voice right now and you're a little bit confused because you're like, hey, wait a minute, it's Halloween, not November 1st, when we're getting the super sweet announcement coming out of Team 5, Uh, you're right, we're not actually here to talk about Hearthstone. (gasps) Surprise gasp. (laughs) Gasp,
1: yes. (laughs) And also, if you're a patron, you're hearing this in Halloween, if you're not a patron, this is still relevant, hopefully, um, but we're, you get a two-week delay if you want to get this kind of bonus content, which we've actually never done before. Maybe we'll do again uh, in the future. Then you can uh, join over at patreon.com TAC, where we are supported by our epic patrons, including everyone that gets to listen to this episode the same night that we record it. That could be you, listener.
0: It could be. Uh, you also get all of the normal uh, Patreon bonuses, including access to our TAC Discord. So if you do want to support the show, if you want to support Hat and I, head on over to patreon.com slash TAC. So, Hat, why are we here then? If we're not here to talk about Hearthstone, what even is going on?
1: Dan Brode made another video game.
0: He sure did. I totally thought you were going to like...
1: It's, but then I you could didn't. have. <laughs> It's, I thought about that, but I thought that was too that that fruit was too low hanging even for me. Like it's, <laughs>
0: wow, I did not think that that
1: existed—a
0: fruit too low for hat.
1: <laughs> it's I, it's just a little too obvious. I like to feel clever sometimes, and the thing about Snap makes me feel clever.
0: Well, and I guess you could also because Nintendo Switch made that their thing. So people could just be extremely confused right now. But we are going to talk about Ben Brode's new video game, Marvel Snap. And it's not just Ben Brode. And that's what I found like really drew me to this project in the beginning was that there are a lot of ex-Hearthstone devs that are working on Marvel Snap. Some of my favorite people from that team left four years ago now, was it? Oh, my God. So long ago they left created this company called Second Dinner and then we all waited with bated breath about what was going to happen what were they going to do and it, it, they were silent for so long all we knew was that there was like some big property backing them and then yeah now now we know what it is it is a Marvel Snap game which is a it's a mobile first not only i would say mobile first uh collectible card game and it's really fun. Hat and I have both been playing uh, since May, so we both got into the, I guess, um, still closed friends and family ish beta.
1: No, no, <laughs> trying- we have to admit it. And, and, like it
0: opened up. Like
1: we got into the influencer beta. We're influencers, Dude, I hate that word, though. I know, no, I know. Stop. But own it. You gotta own it. Listen. <laughs> We filled out a form. and We talked to Molly, who was wonderful. Molly Fender. That's true. And yep, she's she is first and foremost. She is Molly Fender, who was the the director of marketing at uh, Second Dinner. She also happens to be married to a uh, Dean Ayala, who you may know as Ixar, who's the guy that runs League of Legends and who used to work in the Hearthstone team as well. Very recently, um, so a great pedigree of gaming in that family. Uh, but Molly is great. And she, you know, we she knows a lot of people. and She talked to a bunch. She was like, hey, why don't you try this game out? And it's like, okay. And now I've been playing every day for five months. Thanks, Molly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's the reason why we decided we wanted to do this, epi- this episode. I mean, Hat and I have been playing for so long. It's the kind of thing that I know I never really tired of. I'm not normally a mobile gamer. I don't even play Hearthstone on my phone unless I'm doing, like, Single player content while we're driving or something, like on because you go on She's the passenger. Pre- she's not, I'm the passenger. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, not I'm not driving, but we go on our family's all very far away. So we go on like four five, six hour road trips all the time. And so I got to have something to do. <laughs> so usually that's when I play single player Hearthstone because it doesn't care when I drive through parts of Canada that have no cell phone signal. So that's how I spend my time. But uh, outside of that, I've never been a big mobile gamer. I just don't spend a lot of time on my phone. And now I'm spending time on my phone specifically to play Snap. And it's like, I feel like I'm a lot healthier (laughs) for it just because I basically filled all the time that I was doom scrolling on Twitter with playing Snap games instead. Because I used to doom scroll on Twitter for like five or 10 minutes and now I can just play two games of Snap. And my brain thanks me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Snap is... It is the game you play while waiting for something else to do in many ways, and I mean that as a huge compliment. it is the the way this was designed um Brode has said in an interview, and you know and we want to make sure you respect the entire second Dinner team. There are a lot of cool people over there, we know a lot of them formerly from the hearthstone team, also a lot of them didn't work on hearthstone and are just cool people that make a good product uh you know, I've talked with a bunch of them, there's a lot of very passionate people over there um but Brode said in an interview that when he was. First, like when Hearthstone first launched on mobile, he had a newborn and he found himself as a, as a new father that a mobile game fit his life better when he had to be mobile, too. So hmm. that inspired a lot of what we see in Marvel Snap in that this is a game that you can play with one hand while waiting for something else to happen. My buddy Kevin Hovdestad, he describes as a game that you play while waiting for your lunch to heat up in the microwave. It is that amount of time. It is so accessible to fit into the schedule. I take public transit every day. I can complete my dailies on the train to and from work when normally I would be scrolling on social media
0: yes exactly your heads it, checked what's wrong with this saves your mental health <laughs> like seriously um, I found for a while uh, my dead by daylight queues were really long and they made some changes to the game now but uh, back in like May June it was uh, you would sit in a queue for like five or ten minutes and I just sit and while I was waiting for my other game I'd play snap <laughs> so like it was that fast that I'd get two or three games and then I played DVD and then I'd I go two or three snap games and then dvd and uh i think that's what it really has going for it because not only does it have that like really short game like uh, i guess duration yeah exactly like it's not something you have to spend a whole ton of time on but it has that like just one more in a way that doesn't give me ladder anxiety like the games are so quick that I don't really care, nor do I really remember if I won or lost the last one. Like, they're just, they're so snappy. <laughs> so snappy. <laughs> they're they're just so quick. They're so fast. And you're kind of like in and out and in and out and in and out. So you don't have to ever dwell on... Mistakes that you made, like it feels much more forgiving in that way. And there's a lot that feeds into that. There's a lot of reasons, I think, that I can kind of like shrug off my snap losses in a way I can't necessarily do in Hearthstone. Um, so before I just go spouting off about all of those, why don't we just give kind of an overview of of what the game actually is and like how you play? Because I think a lot of the reasons why I don't get ladder anxiety is because of
1: the Bones of the game, like how it's built. Okay, so let's do that. So, first of all, we're going to structure this episode, scaling progression, much like the game, the episode will go the same way. We're going to start by talking to people who have never played Snap before, give you an idea what the game is about, which we've already started to do, as you can tell. We're going to then move into people that just picked up with the launch last week, two weeks ago, recently, and how you progress your account and what progression looks like. And finally, we're going to speak to people that either have really gotten involved with it or have been playing for a while, or we're just going to talk to each other because, you know, it's, I like talking to Joss. It's fun. Um, and, you know, talk about some strategy <laughs> and then our personal experience. It's possible everyone will give up on us by that point. <laughs> it's possible, but we're going to keep going because this is for us. It's yes. It's a bonus. <laughs> but so, listener, if you haven't played Marvel Snap before, it is a almost more like a board game than a card game. You have three lanes, three locations. You can play up to four cards at each of them. Cards have a mana value and a power value. At the end of turn six, whoever has more power in, whoever, in two of the lanes, whoever's winning two of the lanes, wins the game.
0: Yeah, it's best two out of three, so...
1: Yeah, two out of three lanes, like not two out of three against the same person, just in, yes, the, yeah. in the game... Two of the three lanes are what matters. It's, they're called locations. I'm going to call them lanes all episode. You call them whatever you want, but lanes is fast. One <laughs> syllable. That's what I'm going to say. Um, in addition, there is a mechanic called snapping. The name of the game has so many entendres. It's more than just a double entendre. There's, it's the thono snap, and it's the games that are played in a snap, and also there's the snapping mechanic. It's, there's it's so many entendres. So um, snapping is, think of it like the number of stars you gain or lose after a ladder game. Instead of stars, this game uses cubes. So, games for the first five turns are at one cube. You move up or down. At the end of the game, that doubles. The winner, or loser gains or uh, gain, The winner gains two cubes, and the loser loses two cubes. At any time during the game, at least once you're pe- past the first tutorial missions, where before they teach you this mechanic, a player may snap doubling the amount of cubes that are gained or lost starting on the following turn. So if I snap, if you retreat right away, it stays at one cube lost. But if you wait a turn and then retreat, you lose two cubes. If both players snap, at the end of the game, the game is worth a full eight cubes, which means ranking up in this game isn't about winning games, it's about winning cubes. So there is a variable stakes mechanic. The best wins are the 8-cube wins, the worst are the 8-cube losses, but the, the reason this is important is that with variable stakes, bad luck means you just leave your cube on the table and you go, but if you're in a good position and you bait your opponent into thinking that they're in a good position too, and you win 8 cubes, you can lose 7 out of 8 games and still rank up if you correctly and smartly snap. Is very <laughs> Which,
0: I'll be honest, this is not an easy mechanic if you are not used to blind betting, I'm going to call it. Because it's not even the same necessarily as like sitting at a poker table with your buddies because you can bluff a lot easier when you can see faces. Um, yeah. So you are just... With your cards and your snap timing trying to potentially, I mean, you could be in a good position. and That's great. Those are kind of the obvious snaps. But then there's other potential times where you can almost try to, like, scare your opponent out of the game. And I am really bad at identifying those. Like, I'm still five months in really struggling with the snap mechanic. And I think that's um, really reflected in my rank um, because... I play one and two cube games. That is all I ever play. <laughs> so, like, I I always forget to snap to the point that, like, when I tell my husband, OK, I'm going to bed now, he'll say, OK, good night. Don't forget to snap <laughs> Like, because he knows I'm going to lay in bed and play matches of snap. And I always forget to use that mechanic. Um, so I think it's the most challenging part of the game if what you're looking to do is is to kind of rank up as quickly as possible. And I think, Hat, you... Actually, I can't remember if it was in the Angry Chicken Discord or if it was a, a private conversation that we had, but you described it as betting in poker. And, like, again, after I'd been playing the game for five months and it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, I understand now. <laughs>
1: yep. Because it's you're trying to win the most money or the most stars or the most cubes. And so... The game does a lot of really clever things, but also it is directly at odds with a lot of human impulses. Our desire is to see what happens at the end. And the the I would say about half the time in Snap, that shouldn't happen. One of the two players should just leave. Because what should happen a lot of the time is that one player will Snap in a favorable position and the other player will leave. It is very similar to it's a, it's the games the games are capped at 6 turns except in in rare scenarios. Won't, don't need to get into that for the purpose of this podcast. Um but the games are capped at 6 turns. And if you f- are familiar with poker, turns 4, 5 and 6 are the flop, the turn and the river in hold'em. They are very very similar. And you are deciding when you see the flop am I raising or am I check folding? Right? You're kind of committing to the idea of either I'm advantage so I'm pushing ahead. Or I'm disadvantaged, so I'm going to cut my losses. But the urge in card games is to see the thing they have and make them have it. The turn cap makes this a very different game. If you're used to Hearthstone, (laughs) the skills of being good at card games will translate. The gameplay here is very, very different, and it takes a little bit to break those habits.
0: Yeah, it really, really does. And um, the other kind of piece of that is the locations themselves. And sometimes you just have bad luck. Like there are tons of locations in the game. Some of them are going to be super favorable to you, depending on what your deck is going to do. Some of them are super unfavorable. Like sometimes you just get straight up unplayable locations and, you know, that That dynamic because they don't just spawn in three random locations, but then they're in three random kind of orientations. So even if you're expecting one specific kind of location, that could spawn in position one, two, or three. So there's a lot of random here and each location is revealed they're not all revealed to you at once you get one location in each turn so turn one position one will be shown to both players and then the middle position and then the, the third position will be shown to both players so there's like some risk reward there potentially there's there's a whole bunch of dynamics that go along with these locations and like again it, it, was, a, it was kind of a lot to learn <laughs> and retreating as a Hearthstone player like I don't think I retreated in the first 3 months I played this game. <laughs> like yeah. it's just not something like bottom right buddy is such a meme, <laughs> right? And it feels bad and wrong like you're giving up and you should like you say hat make them have it. So it was just not a thing that I did, but um yeah, the the snapping and the retreating is so
1: important (laughs) so if you haven't played before
0: i was gonna say i feel like i got a little bit too far down into the strategy part but
1: (laughs) this is part of the appeal of this kind of this kind of thought process this kind of puzzle appeal so you should try the game and the good thing is card games as a whole as a genre have a lot of trouble with onboarding with teaching people how to play the game most people if you ask them how did you learn magic the gathering my friend taught me you need someone yeah. patient to guide you through it. Snap has that built in. They have a drawn out, but in a good way, not laborious, but you know, extensive tutorial process where they teach you the game. They give you some early cards in a fixed order. They give you missions that reward you for using some of those cards in certain ways to teach you the basics of deck building. And a lot of the early opponents are decent AIs that don't feel like AIs. No, I didn't realize
0: that there was AI in this game at all until I was randomly looking for a deck that I had seen somebody play against me. And so I ended up on the Snap Reddit and there was a post at the top of the Snap Reddit randomly on that day that I went there that said, who's your favorite AI bot to play against? And I was like, my favorite. What now? Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, it's very well disguised. (laughs) And this is a positive thing because it's what card games need are a variety and depth of opponents at different skill levels. But also, being the person that gets beat up on means you quit. It's not fun to lose all the time. So the important thing to do when someone is just starting out, give them a reasonable quality opponent for someone that just started playing the game. Make sure that's a fair fight and make sure the person that loses that doesn't quit. Well, an AI will never quit. It's a machine. So the AI in this game is, is as strong as any other opponent you're going to face. It scales up with you. The high-level bots are insane. They are super, super good, just as challenging as any human, if not more so because they do wacky bot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's just it's a different subset of opponents that you can face to make the onboarding experience smoother. Players will, if you are good at card games, you'll probably win more games than you lose. If you find yourself thinking, well, it's just bots, though, stop it. They hurt just as hard as any other opponent you would see at that range. The MMR of the bots is adjusted. They play smarter based on how good you are. It is important, but also it makes the onboarding a lot less painful really really relevant they teach you the mechanics over time they meter them out to you they give you cards in a curated order it's very well done to be accessible it is mobile first and casual first doesn't mean the game lacks depth but it means mm-hmm. they want anyone to be able to pick it up and figure it out it's my wife plays it every day and you know she, she plays a lot of Dark Souls but card games were never something that she gelled with and she has gelled with this one it is something that anyone can pick up
0: Yeah, it really, really is. And I think that, like, for me, I've only ever played Hearthstone. I, like, super dabbled in magic when I was growing up, but it was like I went to a magic party once with a group of my friends in, like, grade seven. It's like I never played before. I never played again after, like... (laughs) I wasn't into magic by any stretch of the imagination. So, like, I don't really have that history with card games I don't play like any of the other ones that had come out since Hearthstone was released so like never really got into like Artifact or Gwent or you know uh, Runeterra really anything that was that was another card game I was like but Hearthstone's really good and I just like this game why you know why take my time away from a game that I know and love and go play something else? Like, I'm sure they're fine, but I'm happy here. <laughs> and uh, so the fact that Snap was able to kind of capture my attention, and that was partly due to the team behind it. Like, I'm, that's kind of obvious. I've already said that. But um, like, I wanted to see what they did. And then I got in there and it was such a different experience than Hearthstone. and. I was immediately just in love with the with the short games specifically. Like, that just pulled me right in as I felt like I was picking it up pretty quickly. Obviously, it's got all the Marvel characters in it, so that's a really nice... That's very Hearthstone-like and that, like, Hearthstone was made up of all Warcraft characters, so I had the IP I instantly gelled with. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like... It was able to pull me in and then hold hold on to me when I had like all of this Hearthstone knowledge already. And I was just like, oh, man, at first I thought, you know, 12 card decks, six turns. There's no way this is going to be, you know, deep and compelling. It's too small. (laughs) And it really doesn't feel like that at all. Um, I'm still seeing, especially since it came out of beta and into like full release, The amount of, like, new things that people are doing, I'm like, I played for four months and never saw this, like, (laughs) it's which always happens, you know, whenever it gets, you know, wide release, you just have so many more brains looking at things and finding fun new
1: combinations, but man, oh man, there's just so
0: much to do in Snap.
1: Yeah, I tried all those other card games too, and some of them, like, I try to stick with, but... The reason that I've stuck with Snap is that it doesn't take away time from Hearthstone. It takes away time from, like, I'm repurposing time where I didn't have time to play Hearthstone. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Because if I'm sitting on my computer and I have, like, an hour of time, I'm going to queue up some BGs, I'm going to queue up some Standard, whatever. Um, But when I don't have the time to play Hearthstone or I don't want to put the energy into it or I don't want to use two hands to play a game. <laughs> I have said that a couple times. I want to make it clear. Portrait mode is a big deal, and I don't understand why that I care so much about it. Just the amount of laziness I'm able to express by playing this game with one thumb is so enjoyable. (laughs) But it's, you know, there will absolutely be times where I'm sitting on the couch and have the TV on and I play some Snap instead of some Hearthstone or whatever. But for, I haven't really lost a lot of Hearthstone time here. I've just gained another game because there was time that was too inefficient for any other game. And Snap is so efficient that I can squeeze it in easily when I don't have time for anything else that matters. So it's nice to do that. And then there have absolutely been some days where I've charged my phone twice because (laughs) I've because just one more game has gotten me, even though the game is very clearly designed to not be a grind fest. And in fact, I think grinding like really at a certain point, it doesn't really get you very far. Instead of rank progression, which you know it's like it's not nothing, but it's it's not collection progression. And spending money in this game does not make you more powerful in a real way. It's there are some expenses that you can make that the the monthly season pass we'll talk about in a bit um, that does give you a card right away that is only available on the season pass for a little bit. But otherwise, um, the the mechanism of this game play to win. It is not pay to win because paying, they actually cap how much you can buy. They actually don't let you spend more. I have
0: seen so many people complain about that. And maybe we should we should take a couple seconds because I feel like we've raved about Snap and there's obviously some things that we don't love. So we should take a second before we get into too much of progression and monetization. But I've seen so many people say, remove the cap, remove the cap, remove the cap. But the cap is there for a reason, and I think it's a really good reason that's tied to progression. So uh, before we do get into that, you did mention your battery. Was that like, <laughs> was that a real kind of turn off from the game for you? Because I had ended up, I finally figured out that if I turned down the graphics settings, then my phone didn't try to melt through my hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, this is a new app and it's very pretty. And you're, you're and naturally going to want to play. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, if you don't like the Marvel aesthetic, maybe not. Um. Oh, mm. hold on, I forgot to talk about my favorite thing in the game. It's not in the show notes. I'm going to say it anyways. The oh. soundtrack.
0: The oh, soundtrack. I put on mute.
1: Have you? But you've heard the music. Yes. Yeah. It's this total like bossa nova sound that's unlike card games, but is totally a, a bop. I don't know how else to put
0: it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did really, really enjoy the music. I ended up just, it kind of comes down to when I'm playing. And that's yeah. usually, like I said, I, I instead of doom scrolling on Twitter for 15 minutes before I fall asleep, I play a few rounds of snap. And then, so I don't want to wake yeah. anybody else up. So um, I, I play on mute <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I did definitely like um whenever I have a, a, big chunk of time because I did find that as well like I was so I was up at my cottage this summer and uh, I played hours and hours and hours of snap and uh, yeah definitely have the sound turned on then
1: <laughs> yes um, but so there are a few things that are some clear pain points uh, battery drain so I use a wireless charger overnight and since I started playing snap I got a cable because <laughs> I want to charge my phone while I'm playing and you can't charge your phone in a wireless charger and you will kill your battery It will happen. There's no battery display in the game. Your phone will shut off on turn five. It will happen. It's always turn (laughs) five. It's always turn five, by the way. That's how that works. Um, It's the app is new and it runs hot. And like you said, it's you get to if you want it to be better, you can turn down the frame rate and the graphics quality. But also, I don't want to.
0: Hmm. That's I mean that's fair. I do find that since I've made those changes, it is much less pretty and that does make me sad. but uh, also I'm able to play for a lot longer and that makes me happy. So it's definitely a trade-off.
1: <laughs> yeah. and if you're playing a few games on the train or whatever, like this isn't gonna be a huge deal because three, four games, you're talking five ten percent of your battery like you can you can live your life around that. Um, but if you are jamming for 30 minutes or an hour in bed, your phone will get hot and the battery will drain. And it's just something you have to make peace with. It's not a turnoff, but I had to warp my life around it because it kept happening.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think you've also put that you're not a huge fan of the UI. And I feel like I don't know if I am or not. It's like because it changed a few times while we were in beta, I feel like I grew with it. So I know where everything is and that doesn't bug me so much. But I think if I just came into it, I would have a hard time knowing what was what.
1: Okay, so important example. When you go every day during Shop Reset, which is 11 p.m. Eastern, they give you 50 credits for free. To show you that that's a thing, they put a red dot over the shop. When you go in the shop, it doesn't tell you what that red dot is for. So, first day my wife had the game. She played it all day. And then at 11.02pm, she says, What's that red dot in the corner? It's been there all day. I'm like, oh. Oh no. <laughs> at least it was only one day. Because <laughs> they added that
0: red dot, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> it was quite a ways into the beta, because... I kept like, well, actually, I set an alarm on my phone (laughs) to be like, it's time to go get your currency and snap, (laughs) go claim your credits. (laughs) So, I mean, adding, adding the dot was a a big, I think, plus.
1: (laughs) It's nice because we know what it is, right? But it's, yes, there there are a lot of little things that aren't immediately obvious, long pressing a card to put it in or take it out of the deck. Tapping a card and pressing the four squares to change variants in the deck. The filter in the bottom left or in the the bottom right of the collection screen. I didn't know those were there for months. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Long pressing a card in a game to react to it. You can tell the devs if you like a card or not by long pressing a card in the game and then reacting to it and so many people just don't know that exists i've seen it twice
0: i saw that ha- or i saw that blog post like those patch notes saying that you could react to cards but i had no idea how to do that i still have never done it i was assuming they meant they put new reactions cuz you can click on your profile picture when you're in a match and you yes. can like say things to well i mean like speech bubble things to your opponent and you know like there's little pictures and stuff yeah Yeah. they have emotes yeah the pointing Uh,
1: spider-man by the way (laughs) pointing
0: spider-man is so good i was just gonna say that
1: (laughs) you're legally required if you and your opponent play the same card in the same turn it is a legal requirement to pointing spider-man at each other
0: Extra points if you also play it in the same location. Yep. (laughs) Because I have definitely had...
1: (laughs) You didn't even try for that. It just happened because you're so clever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I definitely had uh, Sunspot and we both played Sunspot, turn one and the left location and then ah, Spider-Man fingers. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's so good yeah and also this game. <laughs> if you click on your opponent's portrait you can see how many cards they have in hand how many cards they have in deck you can yeah. squelch them if you need to these are not things that the ui ever tells you they are not yeah. obvious oh things. my
0: god and knowing where the squelch is is actually kind of important because i have had like not so many people i will say that like 99 percent of people Opponents that I have had in snap are very nice and have funny reactions and everything else and then you get the snap player that apparently doesn't know that any other words in the English language exist and just say snap 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 snap
1: <laughs> and it's gonna make me snap. just <laughs> not in the way they want. So like it's it's not like the in-game actually playing the game is pretty it like is pretty good UI wise though. Yeah. It's important to note as well. If you click the energy indicator at the bottom, you can undo all the things you've done that turn. The game does not explain that to you either. There are a lot of hidden clickables with no surfacing all over the client in every part of it. It should tell you like it's for a game that's so focused on tutorialization and onboarding. It skips a bunch of stuff that you kind of should know. Um mm-hmm. And the UI, like, when you're upgrading a card after a match, it can take as long as the match does itself. Because, like, <laughs> you go into your collection, you filter by upgradable, you pick the card you want, you do the upgrade, it does the animation, it does the cool, like, there's the voiceover thing, and then it pops back into the collection oh, man. track. Oh, then you is click that the collection why it track.
0: takes so long? Oh, my God, I could not figure out for the life of me, because, again, the majority of the time I play Snap, it's on mute. So I'm just sitting there staring at this card and this like block at the bottom that says like, rare epic infinite and i'm like why is this sitting on my screen for 15 seconds i get it like move on but the fact that there's a voice line tied to it makes so much more sense yeah
1: it's <laughs> just the announcer right like it's they're just saying a couple yeah. words it's not like the character is saying something to you but yeah yeah it's there's a voice line and you float there and you flip between about three screens in the process it just it takes a minute and they want it to feel engaging and absorbing because this is the main progression mechanic of the game you actually get more cards by upgrading your cards. Current cards, which we'll explain a little bit here, um, and it feels like a gotcha. It totally feels like a gotcha game. The only thing that it doesn't do like a gotcha game is reward you for spending money. So important because spending money doesn't really get you very far. It is worth noting if you like building decks with all the available cards, you are gonna feel the pain there because that is not what they're about. This is very much meant to emulate the experience of play with what you open. And by emulate, I mean that's what will happen because that's what you get. There is a system coming called uh, Collector Tokens that isn't out yet. We don't have the details, but they said you'll be able to target a card if you want to, but it's not there yet. So as of right now, you open cards in a semi-random order
0: yeah and that's so that was definitely like my thing the thing that i didn't like again coming from hearthstone where like you could obviously spend money to get more cards it was still random card packs but they had the dust mechanic and i think that that was the big difference for me is that there was absolutely no way for me to say I want that specific card. Like, that's really cool. I want to do it. And I read an interview. Um, I can't remember. I think it was with it was probably with Brode. But anyways, I, I read an interview where they were talking about how they were attempting to emulate that like. 90s era TCG thing where, you know, you would get together with your friends, you'd open a bunch of packs, you'd cobble together whatever kind of deck you could, and then you would just play. And there was a sense of kind of accomplishment with that deck building as well as discovery figuring out cool combos and stuff with the things that you had. And I think that the piece they missed there, at least for me is I was like, yeah, but there's a T in that the trading is important. If I'm opening a bunch of cards with three other friends, I can say, Hey, I'll trade you this card for your, that card so that I have a way to, you know, make my deck a little bit better. And that feels better. I think than where we were in Snap, which is just, you have to upgrade your collection and hope that eventually you open everything. And I mean, like, I saw somebody play a super cool Invisible Woman deck. It was like, um, you played Invisible Woman and then a whole bunch of discard stuff so that all of your discards happened at the very end of the game. With Hella. And then you had this big, with Hella with a big power spike. Yeah. And I was like, that is so cool. And I opened Invisible Woman last week. So from July, when I was on vacation, until the end of October, I was unable to play that deck. And that, to me, was the biggest turn off to the game. I say that, but I had a lot of fun with all the decks that I could play. But it was just, it was that kind of frustration is every time I would get to unlock a new card. And it wasn't that one I was specifically looking for. Patriot was another one. I was just like, man, this is like so frustrating.
1: <laughs> yeah, the what we're dealing with here is the collection and progression feeling. It's very emotionally charged. I think it tends it's net negative overall. The feeling of open a card you've been waiting for is great. But there are yeah. a lot of cards in between that are not great. And there is no player agency in targeting them. I do Like, we don't know how they're going to deal with releasing cards overall. They've committed to the idea of one card a week or so in the future. We're not going to get expansions here. This is not a card game in the typical sense. This is, they don't have the content pipeline for it, and decks are 12 single cards. So this isn't the sort of thing where releasing 50 cards would make sense. Things are going to slowly develop over time. Um, But that means if you're missing... One important card from that twelve cards, you cannot play the deck, and you cannot really make that go faster.
0: Well, and it's only gonna it's only gonna get harder over time, right? So, the way that should we talk about card pools before? Like, I don't know if I should I'm, if I'm skipping ahead.
1: <laughs> uh, so, I think in terms of well, why don't we save that for like when we're gonna talk about okay, how do I progress? I want to. That's where card pools cover. I think the important thing to be aware of is like there's a curated progression here. Of which cards you'll end up with. And it's generally a pretty good idea how they do it of complexity increases. Mm -hmm. But there's a space between what I want and what I can have. And that's often where really negative emotions come. And there's a bunch of that in the card acquisition model of Snap. Now, you don't have to spend a lot of money for this. You just have to spend time. I would estimate if you only buy the battle pass and you clear your dailies every day, you will probably get every card in about 4 to 5 months. Which is exactly what I do. So I buy yeah. the battle pass and I've been playing
0: since May, so about 5 months, and I am almost at collection level 3000 and I think I'm missing like four cards at this point. So, You're close. so
1: You'll get there in a couple Yeah, of
0: weeks. I am ve- I am very close. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the biggest problem that I see with Snap as a game in terms of when we're used to seeing live service games, we think of content creators. We think of streamers, right? And I don't think Snap is trying to hitch themselves to that wagon. They just released the PC client with the, with the global launch. It is very much a work in progress. It is labeled as early access on steam. It is there. So it can be there. Um, But it's, you know, they it's early access. They said, it's not going to be really out, out until 2023. And it's there. So streamers can stream, but The amount of time between seeing something cool on stream and you being able to play it is gargantuan in an exit pointy kind of way. And they don't really have a solution to fix that because they specifically don't want people to be able to ramp up their collections fast. They want a reward Mm -hmm. engagement and they want a curated on-ramping experience. It's a choice they made. They could make a different choice and probably make more money and burn out their users faster. I don't think this is a bad one. But if you like seeing something and then going to play it, if you're a new player, you are not going to get to do that for literally months. Not not like, that's not an exaggerated term. Jeff, Ho- Jeff Hoagland did the math and said that if you just buy the Battle Pass and you get rank 90 every season, which is also difficult to do, but it gives you some gold, probably four and a half months. If you don't hit rank 90 and you buy the Battle Pass, probably close to five months.
0: Yeah, so that's me. I I, I hit 50. <laughs> I get halfway there. <laughs>
1: right. And so it's just it's it takes time. And then when you have them all, then you have them all. And then when they release new cards, you'll be able to keep up. But if you're catching up now to beta players or if you're seeing cool stuff and you want to do it, that feeling of frustration is very real and needs to be acknowledged.
0: It seems like the Hearthstone Mercenaries problem, honestly, like this, all of this very kind of feedback so. is reminding me so much of Mercenaries where, you know, like the the streams of the esport and everything else and all the streamers at the time very much had these super cool, super maxed out, paid a ton of money things. And you were so far removed from that as a player opening up mercenaries for the first time, and snap feels the same way. Now, I obviously didn't have the the streamer influence really, although um, I do believe people were streaming through beta. Um I, I wasn't really, you know, watching those snap streams or anything like that. But um, just playing against opponents, once you get to a certain collection point or a certain um, MMR, then you're starting to see because the the kind of majority of the cards are totally random order. Um, once you get up to a certain level. Then you get to the point where you're seeing people do super duper cool things and you're just like, man, and I can't do that and won't be able to do that for a thousand levels or more like or maybe in four levels, <laughs> you know, like it's it's that amount of random, which can definitely be frustrating. So I'm glad that they have something in the works that's going to address that. I don't necessarily think they need to address the speed of getting your collection. Like I like I said, I had other decks that I played in the meantime. I had a really good time, obviously, because I stuck with it. I mean, I played the same deck for probably three months, and that was because I found it really fun. I liked the gameplay loop. It was fairly simple, and I felt that it was able to adapt to any set of locations. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. I stuck with it. And because of the location mechanic, I never got burnt out on it. So like I still play like when I get the four cost cards deck, that's the one I play. <laughs> so it's it is it's very um it has a lot of depth. And so you can have good experiences by, you know, playing a fairly basic deck. I think I played the starter deck for quite a long time as well and just subbed out a card here and there when I got a couple of more things unlocked. But I mean, even just the starter deck that they give you is decent and will win games. So I think that there's just like you don't have to have all the cards, but there's definitely and you like you can find the fun without having all the cards, but seeing things you can't have never makes you feel good. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I would guess the vast majority of players for the most time they're in the client probably play one of two decks. Kazoo. Zoo, or what I re- uh, lovingly refer to as Odin Pile, where you take a bunch of things that do on-reveals and then you play Odin, who <laughs> replays all your on-reveals. Uh, that is one of the first deck-building challenges that is fed to you in the client, but also like it's pretty cool and kind of good. Uh, and there are versions of that all the way into the late game, uh, uh, mm-hmm. like the end game content, that will win at high ranks. Um, so I'd imagine that's pretty common to see. But, and it's important to note, deck building in this game, we alluded to it before, it's 12 single cards, no duplicates. You start with three cards in your hand, and then you draw a card each turn. So you will see 75% of your deck every game. Changing a single card, you will immediately notice the difference within like one to two games. You will immediately recognize what you added by adding the new card. You will immediately notice what you lost by taking out the old card. Deck building is a challenging thing in card games because it's hard to know how did my decisions impact the outcome? Snap solves that. You know right away what was different. Because you can say that card used to be this other card and that card would have done this and this card did this and you find out within a game or two and you know right away. It's pretty cool and works with the play with what you have logic but it doesn't work with the play with what I lost to because you want to play Mm. the thing that you lost to or play the thing you saw (laughs) on YouTube and you can't always do that.
0: All right. So let's talk about progression. Then let's talk about how you actually level up your collection, how you get more cards, because I feel like we've kind of like we've been circling around it for like probably 15 minutes now. (laughs) So, the way you unlock new cards outside of the battle pass, the the season's pass, which does, as Hat mentioned, give you uh, one new card a month, um, you have what is called your collection level. And so that is the kind of cumulative points of the rarity on your cards. So when you upgrade your cards and you make them rarer, better, uh one important thing to note is that it doesn't change the power level, which I initially loved. Is I was like, "Wait, I can upgrade it and all it does is make my art cooler, but I don't have to worry about like if my quicksilver is like uncommon and somebody else's is infinite that doesn't change the power of the card at all." Like that was really cool to me when I first started. Um so each upgrade that you do each change in rarity is worth a certain number of collection level points the higher the rarity the more currency it uses in order to get that upgrade the more points on your collection level you get so is that is that kind of a good nutshell (laughs) collection level explanation
1: yeah it's rarity is almost a misleading term uh Mm -hmm. the the short short version is You get more cards by making your current cards pretty. Yes. And so, like, really, treat your cards. Treat yourself. It's important. (laughs) There are—so, when you first get into the game, there are a lot of animations and pop-ups, and it seems overwhelming. Because it seems like there are a billion jillion currencies. There are. (laughs) But—I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say this— the mercenaries parallels are significant. Please don't turn off this podcast. <laughs> so there are three main currencies. There's gold, which is premium currency. You can buy it with real money, and you do earn it in game. It's important to know you earn this in game. So you can buy it or you can earn it or both. There are credits. They're blue. These are the things you use to upgrade your cards, so they are the most important currency. And then there are boosters these are merc coins they are specific to each hero and they are basically the same as an experience bar when i exp- was gonna
0: say i think of it like xp that's that's yes. what makes sense to me um coming with they someone are. who didn't who didn't play a lot of mercs so yeah um yeah so you earn boosters sometimes through leveling up your collection sometimes through doing dailies um or the um the seasons pass. But um that's what you need to upgrade each specific card and you get boosters after every game as well. As long as I think there's a max, right, of boosters you can earn in a day. I think I've there only hit just, it once. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very high. <laughs> it's very high. I don't know if I've ever hit it. There was there was a brief period where they lowered it and then they hot fixed, unlowered it. And since then I've never hit it.
0: Okay, well then, yeah, maybe I randomly hit it during the low day. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you do... Okay, so it's fairly safe to say with some asterisks that you earn boosters after every match. Um, and so is there a way to tell what card it's going to upgrade? Because I feel like it's random, but I'm not 100% sure. So, Like well,
1: what boosters you're going to earn. So you earn one booster per turn played. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it will always be a card in the deck that you're playing. And yes. it tends towards the lowest quality. Not guaranteed. Okay. But it I tends thought towards that it.
0: That was, I thought that was a thing because it seemed like I kept getting, especially when I was um, like trying a new deck or something that might have one or two cards like uh, America Chavez that I play in like so many decks. Oh, yeah. She's so good. <laughs> like... She has so many boosters and I would for the longest time not get any more America boosters I would just get for you know some of the newer cards that I had swapped in with her for this new archetype whatever it was that I was playing and I was like hmm I was like is this just me like seeing something that's not really there because obviously like one person in a sne- in a sea of snap players is You know, super anecdotal, not a trend by any (laughs) stretch of the imagination. So I always thought that maybe potentially I was just seeing what I wanted to see or just noticing when I put a new card in that I seem to immediately get boosters for it within a match or two. Um, But yeah, so it would make sense. That is what I have observed anyways, is that, yeah, it tends towards the the lower level cards. So that makes sense. I like that.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm not crazy. You are not. And if you want to... So the way that card upgrading works, there are five card qualities, I think. Six qualities, five upgrades. Um, yeah. It goes from gray to green to blue to purple to orange to whatever Red. color Ultra is. Re- like it's like a red-ish to infinite. Seven qualities. Seven. Um, and then when you upgrade a card to infinite... Then you split it. You make a new version with a cool effect to it, fancy effect, visual effect, like a rainbow background. Or if you get three or four splits deep, you get the really cool stuff where it like Inkify, where it turns black and white, which is my favorite, or Gold, where it gets a gold background. I haven't got
0: any of those yet. I I just got my okay no i haven't gotten them i haven't seen them i just have um so i split did i guess uh two splits worth is the highest i have so like three versions of the card and so i it's like rainbow background and then rainbow background with effect so like my scarlet witch has like whooshes all around her and then like my um i think it's my nightcrawler has like sparkles <laughs> and i'm like i love this this is amazing i didn't realize it just kept going that's even better
1: <laughs> i think there's a cap of 16 splits per card or something so there is oh my
0: god there's yeah. so much
1: art to see <laughs> there are random combinations of effects and there are some that can only be rolled when you're three or four splits in a golden inkify are the two i think um but yeah, it's, the cards get cooler and cooler over time. And so if you really like playing with a card, when you cap it out, it's not like you're stopped. You, just, you get to start over with that card. You can play the other infinite border fully upgraded version, or you can start over with a new variant, the split, that has the cool different background art. So when you move your collection level up by upgrading these cards, you unlock other cards at fixed intervals. Sometimes at the very beginning, they're going to be deterministic cards. After that, you start to get into random cards in pools. There are currently three sequential card pools. So the way to think about this, imagine if if you're playing Hearthstone. First, you get to unlock all of basic. Then after you finish that set, then you get to unlock all of classic. Then after that, you get to unlock all the expansion level cards. That's the complexity progression we're going here. So there are three different buckets of cards, pool one, pool two, pool three. You will unlock every pool one card before you see a single pool two card. The order of the pool one cards is random, but you will always see those cards in that bucket, all of them, before you see a single pool two card. Then you go into pool two at level 222, 222. That's when pool two is easy to remember. Um, mm-hmm. Just hit two until it stops. Uh, and you will unlock randomly, in, in a random order, all of the pool two cards. When you finished out, You're in Pool 3, which is all the rest of them right now. Now, they are going to add... The way they're adding future cards is Pool 4 and Pool 5. So it won't be as much of a catch-up issue for newer players because they still got to finish all of Pool 3 first. They'll go through the same experience that we do. In addition, matchmaking is done by both your approximate collection level and your matchmaking rating, your MMR, which is invisible to us, but the same as any other matchmade game. The system knows how good you are, and so it tries to match you with people that are similarly good with similar collections. So don't think that you're don't think you have to game this. Just like my approach, I upgrade the cards when they have a red number. It tells me to upgrade, so I upgrade. I get more stuff, and then I play. That is what you really need to know and do. There are gonna be people that try and min-max this. You you probably shouldn't. The game is curated for this experience. It probably knows better. Just, like, upgrade <laughs> cards, have fun, unlock some stuff, play with the new stuff if you want to, play with the old stuff if you want to. It doesn't matter. Just upgrade when you have the option to upgrade. Get some new stuff. It's more fun that way. Um, and that's kind of how it goes, that you actually earn the ability to unlock cards by playing more. Now, I will note... There is a daily mission system as well that is super important to pay attention to. There are refreshes three times a day. East Coast U.S., 7 a.m., 3 p.m., 11 p.m. You can have up to six missions. You get two at every refresh, and they do not stack beyond six. So once a day, I have a set time where I just go in and I clear a bunch of missions, if not all of them, if I can, just to make sure that I don't let any ride. You want to complete up to 25 per week which is a lot easier than it used to be and it gives you a big bunch of rewards. After that, you get season pass missions that apply to you whether you have paid for the premium pass or not. It works like the BG's pass. If you go on a premium level and you're only in the free tier, you just don't get anything for that. You can buy afterwards and unlock it. Same thing. A lot of other games work this way too. I think DBD does too. Um, But it's just do your missions, upgrade your cards. It's It's complex to explain. I think it's fairly straightforward in practice. And what the game is asking for is not your money; they want your time. They want your time and attention. That's what is. Yeah. That's what they want. So right now,
0: I have twenty-eight cards I could possibly upgrade. Yep. But sounds about right. Uh, I only have the seasons pass. Is the only money that I put into the game. So I'm a free-to-play-ish player. But I do my missions every day. So I let the like the reset at 11 o'clock for the shop rollover. I play for, you know, half an hour to an hour and do all my missions from 11 usually till midnight. And then I'm, I'm kind of like done for the done for what I have to do in the day. So I've got twenty eight cards I could possibly upgrade right now, um, but I only have nine hundred and seventy of my blue currency and I have fifteen hundred of my of the premium currency. So I could exchange it, but I like to float a lot of currency. And I also like when it comes to my actual collection, I try not to use up my boosters on variants I'm not going to play, which is why I have twenty eight not upgraded cards right now is like I probably could a lot of them are gray. I. Could probably upgrade most, if not all of them. Um, but I just don't want to because I don't want to use up those boosters. <laughs> so yeah, I, I float a lot of currency. I recognize that. But I just thought it was funny where you're like, if there's a number, upgrade the card. I'm like, I always have like 15 or more telling me I oh, can yeah. upgrade. <laughs> my number
1: says 56. It's it's Oh my God. <laughs> because at a certain point you're credit limited, right? It's if yes, you, you are. So the game is calibrated for you to play and clear your dailies and then chill. It's it, but they accidentally made the game really good, so people want to play a lot. Yeah, people don't want to chill. <laughs> they, I'm not going to say accident. They purposely made it a good game, but it's, it's probably better than their systems are designed for. Because, like, <laughs> I just want to play this game all the time, all, the, all day, every day. And you don't really get rewarded for that other than having a bunch of boosters that you can't use, having a bunch of maxed out, you know, heroes that are waiting for upgrades. So I do the same thing. I try and target. There are also alternate arts, some of which are fantastic in this game. There are some really, really good ones. You randomly will unlock alternate art variants on your heroes. Each one has four right now. Um, Some are more rare than others. You can either unlock them randomly on the collection track, or you can buy them, for 700 gold, or the ultra-rare ones, which are 1,200 gold. Those are the best ones, but they're only in the shop. You can't randomly open them. So those are not value-efficient, but they look fun. And so, like, (laughs) I've bought a couple with the free gold they give us in-game. So when I say 700 gold, that isn't just $7. They give you a bunch of gold in the game. You will earn a lot of it over time, and that means that you can buy a lot of these variants. Early on, you should probably refresh missions or buy credits just to progress your collection, But when you get later, you'll be able to buy some variants without spending anything. And it's really nice to see something in the shop, which refreshes every day, once a day and say, I want that variant. Just click it and buy it. and You can do that. It's rewarding you for spending your time because that's what they want.
0: Yeah, I think I can buy without buying gold, usually one variant every two weeks. Um, And but again, I am very, very picky about what variants I buy, because again, I'm trying to play this as free to play as possible uh well still supporting the devs um because I do play this every single day um so I I think you know just by clearing my missions and doing my season's pass which obviously I paid for so I get all the gold uh, there as well as the gold through um the rank system it's about every 2 weeks I can pick a cool variant so um it feels quite rewarding <laughs> and I, and I've never been in a position again I'm very conservative with my currency so I do float a quite a big gold balance but I don't think I've ever had a point where there's been something super rare and super cool in the shop that I really really wanted and that button hasn't been like green (laughs) you know like ready to push and and buy so I think it feels very rewarding or it feels how I would expect a free to play game to feel
1: yeah it's I mean, I've played some free-to-play games that are a lot more aggressive at getting me to spend money. And and I've also... um I am slightly less free-to-play than you are.
0: Details,
1: details. Um,
0: <laughs> well, I think... But we should talk about that, too, because, I mean, we've kind of mentioned it here and there throughout the show so far, but um, spending a ton of money doesn't make your collection level 5,000 the same day. They do cap... Um, so you can buy credits, which are um, half of the equation to upgrade your card. So we've already talked about boosters. The other half of that equation is those blue credits. You can use gold to buy credits, but you can only do that a certain amount of times a day. So the free 50 credits is once a day. And then you have the option to buy, I think, is it 150 and then 500? I There's, don't do it. So I, can, yeah. I can't remember the the increments.
1: You can buy one of them twice and one of them three times. Um, yeah. There was a period. So the collection system used to be way, way slower early on.
0: Okay. So, yeah, it's 150 credits and 500 credits for 120 gold and 400 gold. And, yeah, yeah. it's you can buy 500 uh, three times, 150 twice, and then 50 you get free once in yep. a day.
1: So it's one, two, three. Okay. Um Yeah. Every gold-to-credit purchase in the game is the same ratio. It's 40 gold in to 50 credits out, scaled up to whatever the purchase is. So there's no optimal one. There is an option to refresh two missions, which is technically the best one because that gives you... It's always an easy and a hard, which is 150 credits, so it's the same ratio, but it also gives you 75 experience towards the season pass, which is better than not having it, as long as you have the time. Um, That is technically the best thing. But early, early on, it was slower to progress and I fell in the trap of I want to move faster because I want the cards for the same pain points that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So I would buy credits and just keep upgrading. And I finished my collection probably, you know, uh, three-ish weeks ago. Um, It's probably going to oh, be... Oh, so you're not, you're not that far, that much further ahead than me. I'm ben. probably a month ahead of you. Yeah. And I would... Yes, I spent a few hundred bucks doing that. Um
0: Which I mean I've spent um I guess
1: it's thirteen ninety nine Canadian every month. Yeah, it's the season pass, right? So like yeah, I still the buy the pass, season. Yeah. I still buy the season pass. If I could do it again, I would go back and not buy the big credit purchases because I was I was fixated on the idea of getting more cards faster, but then as soon as I stopped doing it, that instant progression stopped. It's not really that much faster. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I cannot we recommend don't you do, do it. it, guys. <laughs> it's, if you want a super whale out, you can. But the max spender to get the entire collection finished in two months, I think. I think the math came out to probably about a thousand American. Like. If you want to whale out, you're still going to wait a matter of weeks to months, and it's a lot of money, and just, I cannot in good conscience recommend it, and I did it, and I don't think it was worth it, and luckily, they made the collection system a lot faster after I did that, so I didn't have to do it anymore, and you know, Joss and I are very similar, and I have spent a bunch more that I wish I hadn't. Now, it's, I don't mind supporting the game, just... it. Didn't end up being a good value and it didn't get me as far as I thought it would. So I implore you to probably not do the same thing. And if you're going to do it, regardless of me saying this, then you are the target audience for it. Go nuts. Have fun. Enjoy that. But I wish I would have saved the extra expense on gold credits because it didn't get me what I wanted, which was to have all the cards faster. Like it was a little faster, but I wanted them now and I didn't get them. now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You basically
1: like were one week faster than me every month. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, it's, I, I was, I was an amp playing it a lot. I don't feel like I got bamboozled, but I do feel like that my experience doesn't need to be what our listeners go through. And since I did that, they upgraded the card chance to be twice as fast.
0: Yeah. And I think that there is one specific point I feel like it's around collection level 100, maybe 150. It's kind of like you're done all the tutorial stuff. You're just starting to to get into the game. You're just starting to upgrade your cards and kind of learn what this whole collection level thing is about. And I feel like somewhere in the 150ish point, because I've had a couple of people like ask me about like how many, what's my collection level, how far am I? Because they feel very like stuck or slowed down it's basically the point where they stop feeding you stuff and then all of a sudden like you're not getting cards all the time you're not getting upgrades all the time and and you get more into or it kind of introduces you to that grind and i feel like that's the point where people feel like oh things have slowed down i need to spend money and you don't really, I think, is what Hat's getting at. But I think we've all, uh, like, if we're past collection level 150, we've all felt that pain point. I'm pretty sure that's right about when it happens is when they stop giving you as much stuff and you just have to earn it through doing your dailies. But doing your dailies is, I think, enough to progress at a reasonable and, and still fun pace, like to the point that you don't really start to think about it so much. But you have to get over that 150 hump, I think.
1: Yeah, it's. There's also a really clear point each week. Once you finish your 25 weekly claim, you get a whole bunch of stuff at once. You do a bunch of upgrades, and the rest of the week, it's like, should I even bother playing? Because it's just, you get your normal dailies, but there's no big bonus thing. And to be fair, that means you could play at a reduced pace if you wanted to stack some missions and lose some dailies. And still, as long as you clear that 25 weekly, then you're fine. But I want to clear my dailies every day to get max credit progression. And there's a point every week where there's a peak and then you get a big upgrade and you get a big burst of movement and then you wait for the next one. You wait for Monday night to start all over again. And that period is, it like, I want to play more than the game wants me to.
0: <laughs> the game is trying to, to maintain a healthy relationship with you, Hat. Snap just needs some space.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, boy, it's like high school all over again. <laughs> but yeah, it's, but yeah, uh, don't don't feel a need to manage this too much. I've seen some people, because there are collection level cutoffs between the, the pools. I've seen some people saying, should I wait before I get into pool two and stockpile a bunch of credits so I can upgrade all at once and then be competitive? It's like, no, it's just play the game and trust the system. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I can assure you, you're not going to win or lose more because of an arbitrary collection level cutoff. You're going to win or lose more because of how you play. So don't feel need to micromanage this. Just be aware that deck building is an ongoing process here, and you can't just go and get what you want. You have to wait for it to happen to you. But you don't have to spend any money. And the only way to unlock cards is by playing a fun game every day.
0: Yeah, and I will say, too, as someone who does not build her own decks in hearthstone like i go off of hs replay or i ping hat and be like hey hat send me a deck list what should i be playing right now um so i mean as someone who is not good at deck building does not like it does not do it um because of the slower progression in snap I have started doing my own deck building because I'll see my opponent do something and then be like, hey, I have, you know, three quarters of this deck or like I'm only missing one or two cards. Are they absolute like must haves or can I like make something work? And I don't do that in Hearthstone. I don't have that can I make it work instinct. I have a button I push where I get more card packs or I go and craft the final pieces that I need. So I don't kind of flex that part of my brain in Hearthstone. And I very much do in Snap because of the slower progression with your collection. So I actually think that that's kind of cool is I feel like I have a little bit more innovation in Snap, if that makes sense, is I can see a general idea of what my opponent's doing. And if I think it looks cool... I can try to make it work with the cards that I have. And that's a really fun uh, experience. So I think overall, I'm enjoying the way that they've done progression, which I didn't think that I was going to coming from Hearthstone. But it's it's got some fun upsides that I didn't necessarily see coming.
1: Yep. It's uh, a lot of what Snap does is very innovative in the card gaming space to the point where if you're coming to it from hearthstone, it's not better or worse because it's not trying to do the same thing, so a direct comparison wouldn't make sense it's mm-hmm. just it's a different thing, so I enjoy it except when I hate it and i it's the, and the <laughs> hatred is rare. But I will say, you know, when I'm at, like, collection level 2,000 and I want one card for my deck and I open some piece of crap that I'm never going to play, open a Baron Mordo, I, I am obviously not thrilled in that moment. But when I finally open that Mystique or Wong or whatever and I'm excited about it, that's a really nice moment. I think the collection aspect needs some agency. I'm glad they're working in the system. We don't have it yet, so we can't comment on it. I'm clearly, like, we're both happy with it because we've been playing the game every every day for five months but it's not without its pain points, and you should be aware of this. Getting into it, so it wasn't this this deep into the episode. You probably already know it does get better, but it is going to be an ongoing process. Just keep clearing your dailies instead of quitting the game, and the problem will go away.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, like we we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think that like cards aside, collection level aside, I think you can cobble together a decent deck there there's quite a few cards that you can play that will make you competitive I think the thing that you really need to master and that will you know have you winning games have you progressing up the ladder so much more quickly is snapping and retreating like we talked about much earlier on when we were introducing the snap mechanic to everybody, I think once you get a hang of basically betting on the outcome of the game and knowing when to walk away, you're going to rank up so much faster regardless of your collection level. So I think that that's really the thing that you should focus on is learning, regardless of what deck you're using, how to read the room, (laughs) basically, and figuring out if you should still be
1: there or if you should leave. (laughs) So... Strategy time. I'm not going to play the bumper, but just imagine it. Um, So, I have a simple metric that will help anyone listening here, but it's not perfect. It's not going to be every game, just a simple metric. So, turn four, you're either snapping or committing to leaving when your opponent snaps. Those are the two options starting on turn four. If you wait until turn six, and then you snap on turn six, which is a very common thing. Your opponent already has perfect information; they know what's going to be drawn and played that game. They're just going to go if they're going to lose, and if they stay, that's worse because then they snap <laughs> back and you lose eight cubes. If you snap too early, you don't know what's going to happen. This is me. <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot. It's ev- it like I see to it me all the-
0: so much.
1: <laughs> if you snap on six and they stay, that is the worst case scenario. So you're just saying, (laughs) it's actually, snapping on six is actually worse than just pressing and turn, because when you end the turn, you get two cubes, and when you snap and they leave, you only get one. It's, the goal for two cubes is where you want to be. So, it's turn four. If you feel strong, then you snap, because you're making your opponent pay to see the second half of the game. If you don't feel strong, it doesn't cost you anything to stay in until either they snap or turn six. And then you press retreat and retreat now, and then you go to the next game. You want your wins to be two to four cubes, eight in a perfect world. And you want your losses to be one cube. And that's how you rank up, even if you lose more games than you win. The game doesn't even want you to think of retreating as losing. The color of the defeat screen is red. And the color of the escape scene when you retreat is blue, which is the same as the victory screen. The game doesn't want you to view retreating as a loss. But the button is red.
0: <laughs> it's, it is. And so and the thing is, like, it just it comes down to snap being a little bit unique in that regard, where because of that snap mechanic and kind of doubling down on how well you think you're doing versus your opponent, like, it's so different that normally like, giving up and retreating is bad, right? Like, you want to stand your ground, you want to win, and because of the turn limit, that's not always possible. So, I think, like, you really need to lean into retreating as the way that you rank up, which feels backwards and wrong, (laughs) but it's actually right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh... It's different from what we're used to, and I will say... This has made a Hearthstone so much harder to play because I'm losing on turn five, and I'm like, I just concede. No, it's still the same same score in Hearthstone. You're supposed to stay in yeah. in that game, <laughs> and you're supposed to leave in this game. Makes it very, very difficult to compare. But yeah, it's retreating is, and the second rule that I have on turn six, if you are going to lose to America Chavez, just go right now. <laughs>
0: Nine times out of ten, she is coming down on turn six.
1: (laughs) She is the most commonly played six drop, and for good reason. So if you lose to nine power in a single lane, if that is enough to make you lose the game, you should not be in that game. You should just go. Those two rules will help you advance, and you want to build a habit of turn four, your thumb should reach for the top of the screen where you snap, unless you feel really weak, and then your thumb should reach for the bottom left, (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to retreat right away. You can wait for the top decks, but as soon as your opponent snaps or as soon as you get to turn six, you should just go. This is just the basics of getting used to the idea of you're not playing for, the, for to win. You're playing for the money. You're playing for the cubes. Like you said, when, I, when it was described as poker, it was a big uh, light bulb for you. Back game in two if you want to talk about doubling cubes. I think a lot more play po- people play poker than backgammon. I don't know. Maybe there's a vibrant backgammon Hearthstone overlap community.
0: <laughs> there's one guy out there right now going, yes, backgammon, someone gets it.
1: <laughs> if he- So if you are listening to this episode and you are an avid backgammon fan, please tweet at TAC Podcast or at me on Twitter. Please let me know. I'm very curious to talk to you.
0: So we've covered snapping. We've covered retreating. What else would we do strategy wise? Are there any other specific like turn based things we should look for? Like anything we want to make sure that we're paying attention to? I'm thinking like specifically the first three turns because that's when your locations come into play. And that's a that's a Marvel Snap specific thing that
1: we're maybe not used to paying attention to. Yeah. And it's. We are an hour and seventeen minutes in, and this could go for. This could a be its own while. thing. So this, yeah. this <laughs> could be a series. That is not a legally binding promise, listener. We are not starting a snap <laughs> podcast. Um, but it's you know locations are sometimes you want to play into blind locations, sometimes you don't. Usually, I find it's probably better to play into locations that are revealed and locations that aren't, just to be safe in case it's something that's bad for you. But I think most of the time it's that's unlikely to happen. There's no hard I got
0: burned a couple of times with the location where you can only have one card there and I had already played a card into it like uh, blindly and then I was like oh man that was a one drop I'm screwed <laughs> but it's rare and
1: there's way more locations now than when that happened to me so something else to keep in mind the best thing to do on turn one is play Nightcrawler somewhere, and he will mm. help you. He's so versatile and flexible and should be in almost every deck. Um, just play Nightcrawler, and then you can just bop him over to where he's good or not good. And you can play him into a blind location and very easily move him in or out of whatever. You're not going to get screwed by anything. There are very few locations that are hostile to Nightcrawler. Um, so, like, what a good little guy. Um <laughs> you know. The, I think what I'd emphasize in Snap is that this is not a tempo on curve game. If you're coming from Hearthstone, you will get used to the idea of using your mana. And I, like, I, if you're, if that's you and Hearthstone, listener, then you get me and I get you and I'm glad that we're having this talk. Um, but in Snap, it's about winning on turn six. A lot of the times it is correct to hold back so that your opponent doesn't know which lane they have to fight for. And then playing your cards closer to the end of the game rather than the beginning. Because you're limited more on time and lane space than you are on cards. Card advantage doesn't work the same way in this game. It's about burst power and location control.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like I fall into the trap of like trying to have something to play on every single turn. And I mean, the you talked about the the kind of zoo deck a little bit earlier on, which was which was what my kind of go-to deck was for a long time with a couple of modifications. I had Dracula in it and I always caught people off guard with that. And it was amazing. Um, But it's uh, I, I'm now that I'm playing different styles and more kind of combo-y decks, I'm definitely realizing that I'm sitting back and doing nothing for sometimes the first three or four turns. And then it's like turn five and six. I'm just like, bam, 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 bam. What now? (laughs) Which is, super fun <laughs> it's but very a engaging. really weird a really really weird way to play when you're used to playing Hearthstone <laughs> like you can't just sit back for the first four turns of Hearthstone and think that maybe you might win this game <laughs>
1: hey there might be priest players listening that are As very you, I'm offended I'm sorry priest players I am very sorry <laughs> don't priest apologize players I didn't to them. mean it <laughs> you don't have to apologize to them they're used to it no just if you want to apologize to a priest player just say wow That's that's. (laughs) Oh man! (laughs) Yeah, I went there. Yeah,
0: you sure
1: Um, did. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what. But yeah, the deck that I I got over the line with to to infinite um this month uh the perfect curve skips turns one and five like you just do nothing on those turns. You just play a two, a three, a second three and float a mana, and then a six, and then you win the game. Like So it's the synergy and the lane management is more important than just being mana efficient. Early on in the game, You're if you're just getting started, you'll want to play your stuff. You'll want to play a bunch of stuff and get it out of your hand. And just like numbers win early on, later on in the game it becomes way more about synergy, which I think is really our takeaway from it, that I don't know if either of us thought this game would be compelling five, six months in, but there is so much strategy, I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing like about half the games I play.
0: Absolutely. I find that there's so much to learn because of the changes to location. There are so many variations of like the best way to play your deck. It makes it pretty easy to understand what your deck is trying to do, but then very difficult to put it into practice And there are quite a few different ways to play right now. So I feel like I have that learning curve that I had over the summer with my Dracula deck. But then now there's still five or six more decks that I can learn that all play totally different. So there's still so much that I have to do. I could play just with these card pools for the next two years and I would probably never learn all the possible combinations and, you know, like counterplays and everything else. Like it is a very deep game. And uh, yeah, I think that it's it is still super compelling this far in.
1: Yeah, it's. I had a. I had an extensive discussion with someone yesterday about which lane they played their Nightcrawler in. Like it's just fifteen minutes talking about the strategic implications of which line. Where do I play the Nightcrawler? And. For that kind of strategic depth to happen six months into a game, I think tells you that there's a lot here. I mean, we've had a lot of people remember when Hearthstone Beaches came out. How much is there to this, really? It's just a mass hysteria simulator. Yeah, there's uh, more than that. There's some stuff yeah. <laughs> to do. And when Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft came out, oh, I just dumbed down Magic on the on the phone. Spin out a. I tweeted a picture of Grim Patron yesterday. And people still know it. And that card came out seven and a half years ago. Which kind of broke my soul, honestly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was like,
0: Patron was only a couple years ago. What do you mean? Seven and a half.
1: Yeah. What? April twenty fifteen. <laughs> um I set a reminder on my phone on April second, twenty twenty five for patron's tenth birthday. Oh my god. Ridiculous. Also ridiculous that we're that close to 2025. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I yeah I have To think yeah. about it, it'll be fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, is there anything
1: else that you want to chat about before we wrap up this special bonus Snap episode? I'm not starting a Snap podcast. I'm not doing it. As we could talk about this game for a while. There's a lot more depth to it, um, and I think it's important to note. There have been a couple times this episode we talked about some of the purchases not necessarily being worth it and some of the pain points with the progression. It's worth at least mentioning the monetization issues the game went through during the beta. There was something called Nexus Events. Nexus Events were originally going to be the way that people earned cards. They were loot boxes. And there was some lack of clarity that turned out to be a mistake after the fact which I believe, based on their reaction, where people spent a bunch of money and didn't get much stuff they were looking for. They got a lot of cosmetics when they just wanted the card. Because the desire to get the card in this game is huge. It was catastrophic for the influencer relations, and it looked greedy and misleading at best. What they did after, they removed them from the game that week. The following week, They refunded all of the in-game currency people spent on them. They gave everyone the card that they were looking for in the next events. Everyone got it for free. And they said, we are permanently removing these from the game. Two weeks ago, on Global Launch, they said, we reviewed and we are not replacing these. We are doubling down on cosmetics and the battle pass and the new token system. And we will be releasing one card a week through other means. But there will be no loot box system being added to the game. For a developer to take a finished feature that happens to be their main financial pipeline in a Marvel game and say, nope, it was successful but exploitative, so we are throwing it out and giving everyone their money back, it gives me a lot of hope in the team and their commitment to being ethical and reasonable people. And every conversation I've had with them backs this up. So the Battle Pass is a safe and stable recurring way to get some stuff. Ten dollars a month. I spend fifty dollars on a on a regular bundle in Hearthstone. If I do that three times a year. That's one hundred fifty dollars a year. Battle Pass twelve times a year is less than that. It's for the amount of enjoyment in getting out of the game. It's not is not an amount of money that I that I balk at that I find problematic. And I do like supporting this team. And I feel like I get my money's worth out of it. If you want to spend more, you can. I. Didn't have the best experience doing that, but, you know, I knew what I was getting into buying stuff, just I wouldn't do it again if I could. Um, I have a lot of faith in the team and in their commitment to making sure they're not trying to screw us over. There are a lot of systems in place to avoid that. So I have a lot of faith in where they're going, and I want to make sure that I express that because what they did could have been a very bad thing, and they found a way to restore my trust by deleting it and committing to doing that.
0: Yeah, they didn't even try to like rebrand it or relaunch it or anything like that. Like they just pull out in in a week. Like so, and this happened actually when I was away on vacation because I got messages about it if I was and asking if I was going to talk about it on on either Tack or on Gamersin. Um, and so I like by the time I got back from vacation, it wasn't a thing anymore, <laughs> which is wild like you say for for the main monetization of their the main way to get cards and everything else like this was central to their plan for the game and they went you guys don't like it all right it's gone like that is a crazy response to player feedback so um i kind of echo all of hat's comments and um yeah i i got super lucky in the nexus event actually i i did that was one other thing that i purchased that i totally forgot about because i got all my my money back but Um, I did purchase like one round of, of loot boxes. I think I bought, I think I got 10, whatever the, the bundle was. I think I got 10 of them. All I wanted was Jane. I got Jane (laughs) and then I was like, okay, (laughs) that was lucky. She was like my third or fourth open. And then I was like, okay, everything else is just bonus. So yeah, it, uh, I, I realized (laughs) that I got really lucky, but, um, yeah, the fact that they just straight up deleted it and are now trying to figure out different ways to do things, I think, um, yeah, just just makes me trust them. And uh, it's a it's a fun game with some fair and slow monetization over top. And and yeah, I think I highly recommend the fact that we're even doing this bonus episode. Like we just decided to do this because we were talking about Snap so much. We we're just like, you know, let's just record it. Let's just let's just talk about Snap. <laughs> Oh, here you go we talked about snap we're not starting a spinoff
1: no <laughs> but as you can tell we are interested in the game because we just fired this up and have the most basic notes ever and uh this is 90 minutes and after this is done i'm probably going to be late publishing the episode because i'm going to play some snap yep <laughs> because weekly reset well, is in one a... minute i was gonna say
0: <laughs> we gotta go because we gotta we gotta go collect our our credits
1: Yeah, it's so we have many folks we'd like to thank.
0: Yes, we are supported by our epic patrons. You can go over to patreon.com slash tack if you'd like to support the show. You get access to tack discord as well as other amazing perks like this episode, this bonus episode. Patrons, you get this two weeks early because we are just that happy that you're here. So, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Dustin C. and Jarrett F. You can go and find the back catalog of The Angry Chicken at TheAngryChicken.com or follow the show over on TAC Podcast. We record uh, Angry Chicken, the main show, on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch.tv slash JossPlays. Uh, Hat, where can folks find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on the snaps, but also you can find me at <laughs> Twitter.com slash Um, as long as that platform remains platform um it is currently not talking about that right now (laughs) nope we're not it is currently the hub of my content also i host three hearthstone podcasts this is one of them uh the other two coin conceit we make the uh competitive side of the game more accessible to you and the data reaper podcast we take a uh a data-driven look at the high level legend metagame Josh, where can people find you
0: you can find me on Twitter and Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. That's J-O-C-E Plays. Please do go check out my ga- my general gaming podcast. You can tell that we're tired because we're tripping over our outro, which normally we have no problems with. Uh, but yeah, go check out the gamers. In this week, we are doing our Extra Life charity stream. It's going to be this Saturday, November fifth. Do go and check it out. I'm going to be streaming live on Twitch starting at 10 a.m. Eastern and going until I can't go anymore. So usually we wrap up sometime around two or three, depending on how I'm feeling. It's going to be the first time that I am doing something like this <laughs> after COVID. So we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, I have high hopes that we will that we'll probably hit somewhere between 12 and 16 hours. So come and check it out. It's for a great cause. It's for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. And we would appreciate all the support you can give, even if it's not monetary, showing up, saying hi, retweeting the links, uh, all that kind of stuff. You can help out in a lot of ways for free. So go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life twenty twenty for all of that information and do check out the podcast again that is The Gamers In. that's going to do it for us this week thank you guys so much for sticking with our bonus snap episode where we just kind of talked about this super awesome game that we really really love Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it so until next time job's done
1: job's
0: done Done.